You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. And I'm your host, Jim Friend. Welcome back, everyone, and thanks for joining us today. We have a terrific episode for you today on Catholic podcasting, podcasting with a mission. And I've assembled a wonderful group of panelists who will share their experiences of beginning a podcast and their great wisdom. But first, I'd like to pay tribute to a special friend of mine who passed away. His name was Jeff Young. Jeff and I knew each other for hmm, probably 15 years. And I first got Jeff involved with the diocese when I met him for lunch one day. And we were talking about his unique ministry, what he does to save money for his parish. And I bring it up today because many of us who listen to this podcast are in the field of stewardship, right? Asking for funds, advancing the mission of our church through leadership and, and in so many wonderful ways. But one way that we've really not discussed on this show is how to save money, right? Because if we're going to be good stewards, if this is truly about Catholic stewardship, there's not just raising the money, there's also saving the money and making that money stretch as far as possible. And that's what my friend Jeff did. He was a contract negotiator. And what makes Jeff so unique is that he did that for the mission of the church. He was doing that, as I said, for his parish, and we got to talking, and I got him involved with the diocese many years ago, and he wound up serving, volunteering his time with parishes and schools around our diocese, renegotiating things like rock salt, like trash removal, like food service programs, like uniforms, so many of the things that I think oftentimes are taken for granted, that we just maybe renew that contract without renegotiating it without maybe looking at the prices, without talking with the vendors. And that's what Jeff did on behalf of the church. He took many of those vendors to the mat and uh, they had the bumps and bruises to prove it at the end of their conversations with Jeff. But that was his unique gift. He fought for the church. He fought for those schools and those parishes. He wasn't afraid to have those difficult conversations because he knew how hard it was to raise the money. And that, for me, when Jeff would go out to a school, it was very much like having a fundraiser for the school, but you didn't have to ask anyone for money. It was just all about saving the money. And so I mentioned Jeff today because I think his ministry, his legacy, it left an imprint on the diocese and on so many people and so many of us who knew him so well because of his tenaciousness, because of his spirit, because he was a warrior. He went to battle for so many ministries uh, around our diocese and and there are more things happening in the diocese, or some ministries lasted longer. Maybe some folks got to keep their jobs because the money went a little farther because my friend Jeff renegotiated that contract because he made that money go just a little bit further for the mission. So this show is dedicated to Jeff and his beautiful wife, Sandy, and to Matt and to Abby and to their family and friends and all of us who are missing Jeff so much. And we will be thinking about him for a very, very long time. He's left an imprint on my heart as a friend and as a brother. And I am just so grateful for the friendship that we had. And that I, and Sandy, please know how much we love you and that we are praying for your family. Uh, Jeff used to listen to this show on occasion. He would call me up and, and tell me how much he appreciated the, the work that I do. And I was just so grateful for his support because he supported me in this podcast when I first started. He just encouraged it and thought it was the greatest thing and was just one of my cheerleaders. And so I'm just so grateful to, for Jeff. And I'm going to miss our long phone conversations that we had so many times where he shared his wisdom with me. And I learned so much from him and from our friendship. So thank you, Jeff. And so this this show is for you. So let's get to work. 
As I said on today's show, we're talking about Catholic podcasting, and I have assembled a panel of experts who are going to talk about the field of podcasting, not only from a Catholic perspective, but just podcasting in general and and what the industry looks like, as well as social media. And so without further ado, here's our conversation. Welcome to Advancing Our Church. It's great to have you all here today. We're doing something a little different from our normal programming where we're going to talk about what we do on this show and what my wonderful and esteemed guests have done in their career, and that is starting a podcast, starting a podcast with Catholic Focus, a Catholic mission, and how each of us uh, on the panel here today have done that and in our own way kind of continued and move forward, we hope, the mission of the church in some way. And so I'm really excited about this forum and about this group Uh, and about the experiences that you're all going to share today. So we're live on Facebook, but this is also being recorded. So this will be available afterwards on our podcast channels, as well as our Facebook page forward slash Advancing Our Church. I'm going to go ahead and uh, just kind of go around uh, the table here, as it were, the virtual table, and uh, ask all of our podcasters and uh, social media experts to introduce themselves. So why don't we start with Dr. Tim Ewell. Tim? Hi, my name is Tim Yule. I'm the superintendent, new superintendent of Diocese of Buffalo. Been here since the middle of April. I previously was at, um, in Montana. It's a superintendent of Catholic schools out there, and I have a podcast called Catholic School Matters. Welcome, Tim. Thank you. Christine? Hello, uh, my name is Christine Flynn. I'm a Catholic wife and mother and the host of the Catholic Mama podcast, uh, which I started after converting to Catholicism from atheism from New Age a few years ago. And my kids started asking me some really awesome questions about the Catholic faith, which at the time I couldn't answer. And then I realized that I wasn't alone in that. So I decided to start this podcast, The Catholic Mama, to help other parents to deepen and defend their faith so that they could raise more confidently Catholic children. Excellent. Thank you, Christine. Great to have you on the show. Dan? Hi, my name is Daniel Boyd. I am one of the hosts of Being and Making Disciples podcast and one of the authors of Go Make Disciples. And both the book and the podcast are aimed to help Catholics accept that call from Jesus to go make disciples of all nations. And so our target audience is anybody who's actively involved in ministry and wants to start making disciples, but really isn't sure how. Wonderful. Thank you, Dan. Great to have you here. Sherry? Hi, I'm Sherry Hayes-Pierce, and I am starting a podcast from the perspective of a parish I am at American Martyrs Catholic Community in Manhattan Beach, California, and we started just before COVID, Digital Disciples Podcast. And our focus, and we'll talk about, you know, what your focus should be, led us down a particular road and we were starting to gain momentum and then COVID hit. So it's something I think that's a great topic because as we're coming out of the pandemic, a lot of churches are kind of discerning, you know, what should we do in the digital space that we started or that worked well. And I think podcasting is definitely something. Thank you, Sharon. You're coming from beautiful, sunny California, are you not? Yes. (laughs) That's excellent. I think we're literally all over the country with this panel. This is great. And last, but certainly not least, uh, Bo York. Welcome. Thank you very much. Yes, my name is Bo York. I'm executive producer for Pottery Studios. We're a podcast company based out of the American South. I had the pleasure of working with and launching a number of faith-based Christian uh, podcasts, including this one right here. Well, I guess not launching this one, but being able to work with, with this one for quite some time. And so I'm uh, really excited to be here and learn from all of y'all and, and share from my experience as well. 
Well, thank you all for being here. I'm just going to start with kind of a general question because you've all uh, you all got into this for one reason or another, and and we'll get into that. But how do you see podcasting kind of making a making a contribution, or or is it making a contribution to our faith today? And and you can speak from your own perspective, or even from kind of what the what you've seen in the podcasting industry or or, or the faith based industry today. Anybody want to start? It sounds like Bo should should go first since he's the one in the biz. <laughs> he is uh, in the I'm definitely happy to share for sure. I mean, one of the things I always tell people is podcasting is a deeply personal form of communication. You know, podcasting is really more about relationship than it is about information or entertainment. One of the things that, you know, is, is really good to, to think about is, you know, when most people are listening to podcasts, you know, there, there's a unique connection that is established between the voice that you're hearing and, and the listener. Uh, that kind of forces the listener to do just that, to listen. And I think right now that's, that's such a, a, needed, a needed opportunity for anybody that's made, making a podcast um, to be able to connect with that listener, to share your stories, to be open and honest and being able to have the, the space to do so without somebody challenging what you're saying or anything like right off the bat, but really leave that honesty on the table. And I think that's allowed for people to connect at a time, especially this last past year, where so many people were desperate for connection. And for those, you know, that were kind of working in ministry who shifted to podcasts or either putting sermons out or even just putting discussions out, I think that a lot of people were able to resonate and feel connected like they were part of that conversation, even though they weren't in the room, maybe more deeply this last past year than, than ever before, which was already pretty strong. So yeah, I'd, I'd say podcasting plays a pretty important role in establishing trust, establishing connection and building the relationship between, you know, the voice and the listener, especially when, you know, we're talking about what we care about most, which of course is our faith. Well, I think that was clearly evidenced in January when Father Mike Schmidt's A Bible in a Year podcast went to number one across all channels. And so I think it it also speaks to kind of what Christine touched on as well, that for the faithful, we're looking for ways for us to consume content that is convenient for us that we can fold into our daily walk and our daily lives. And I know for me, Father Mike Smith's podcast is helping me to read the Bible in a year, which has been on my to-do list for a very long time. And I think when we're, you know, our lives get busy and we pull it out and we're reading it ourselves, sometimes we fall short or we fall asleep. I'm sorry. Because of Father Mike Schmitz, we're able to get it done. We're getting it done. And even if you, you know, fall in behind, you can catch up. And so uh, I think podcasts serve in that way to share the faith tremendously. And it's something that people uh, definitely embraced from the number of downloads he had. Yeah, I'd say also to kind of piggyback on the connection idea, I've had a lot of women reach out and say that uh, they just don't really have a community that they feel a part of in their own home parish. And uh, especially if you weren't able to get to your home parish for a couple of months last year. But even now, I mean, we, we live in a mostly secular society and to find like-minded Catholics can be a challenge, especially if you want people who are on the same life stage as you. So I've, I've heard from a lot of women over the past couple of years say what I've created and other Catholic moms on Instagram or podcasts are the community that they wish they had in person. But this is a pretty good alternative, at least for now. Mm-hmm. I'd like to pick up on something both said. I, it was really interesting. You said that the personal connection thing. I, I listened to a number of podcasts over the last couple of weeks because we just moved. And so I was driving a U-Haul. And so I had to 
like I was podcasting from my phone, literally like next to my ear because it couldn't even go through Bluetooth. And so I was listening to a lot of NBA playoff kind of podcasts because the NBA playoffs are kind of one of my things. And so one was a guy who I've listened to for years, him and his buddies talking. And I would listen to those like all at regular speed all the way through. And then I went to like NBA playoff podcasts that were like really in-depth detail about players. And I got bored and I turned them off. And I realized the reason I turned them off is I'm not there for the content. I'm there for the entertainment and the relationship with the person. And so that's one of the things I found is that, you know, I picked up listeners. I, I don't know how many. I always make a joke about the two or three listeners that are, are listening to me now because I really don't know. And no one knows, right? Anyone who tells you they know, they're, 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 you're, they're using their downloads and the downloads are not a good measure, right? right? right. But when I hear back from people who say, I love that joke you said about, you know, uh, this or that, it's like those little off-the-cuff remarks that people, that's what they're there for is to hear you and, and hear things about it. So like, if I ever hear anything about this, it'd be somebody going, I love the idea that you're driving a U-Haul across the country. And that was me. I was 2,400 miles because my moving company decided to cancel on the day they were there to pick up my stuff. Oh no! So, so that's been my life this last month. Yikes. Good point, Bo. That was a good, I, I like that. Yeah, the relationship. I think about the only thing I could add to that. Everybody said uh, said something pretty meaningful. Is uh, this is just one more? It's a type of media that people consume, and there's always something or someone vying for people's attention. And if we're not willing to go out into that arena and say, "Here, listen to the message I have," well, somebody else is going to get that. They're going to get that minute or they're going to get that hour. And if it's, if it's not someone who's Catholic, if it's not someone who's thinking with the mind of the church, then it's going to be something else. And if we don't go into this space, then I would say we're neglecting our duty to bring the gospel to everyone. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've, I've discovered, I think we kind of knew this, but even more so in the last couple of years while I've been doing this podcast, is that there's so many, like we would, some would say, well, yeah, the Catholic church, that's a niche like a lot of podcasting is niche, right? So you find your little, your niche in the market. Within the Catholic realm, I mean, we've got several podcasters on the line here who have their own sub-niche of that niche, right? You know, Tim's going talking with all the Catholic schools and a lot of the work I do is around advancement and, and leadership and Dan's doing evangelization and Christine's talking with the moms and, you know what I mean? So it's, it's um, there's a lot of subgroups so I'm not just vanilla Catholic, but I'm Catholic. I'm a Catholic mom or I'm a Catholic school principal or what have you. What I like is just kind of the variety as well as getting a sense of the local flavor that you might not otherwise get, like with a larger show, like love Bishop Robert Bear and love Father Mike Schmitz. But those become those are like national voices. And I love them. They're great for what they are. But when I listen to Dan or if I listen to Tim, I'm listening a little bit. There's a little bit of a local flavor to what you guys do as well. And I think I, I appreciate that, too. So that's a little, you know, kind of my second question to throw out to the group was, what do you think people are looking for in a podcast? And I think, Bo, you said it very well. I think they're looking for relationships. They're looking maybe for that that niche piece. But I think it'd be interesting to know for each of you who started a podcast, what inspired you? What got you started in podcasting? Yeah, Bo as well, too, because I know you have your own journey. Sure thing. Yeah. So I think one of the things that I was always just fascinated by was that, that kind of sense of relationship, that sense of connection that you can have with these voices. I mean, I remember when, when my family moved to Memphis, or actually my family then was just me and my wife as well before my kids came along. And listening to the podcast that I had kind of carried over from listening to when I was you know, in my hometown, 
those voices were like the, the only like consistency, those only like relationships that were established. I'm like, man, this is so powerful. And I think that there was something that I recognized in that that was missing from a lot of, of the campaigns that I was working on at the time I was working in marketing for a, a cell phone company, actually. And, you know, a lot of the things we were trying to accomplish with like advertising campaigns, I was like, well, this is just happening naturally by listening to podcasts because I do have trust with these people. I feel like I actually know these people. I, yeah. I have continued to, to listen. And so I was very eager to kind of explore that, not, not to exploit it at all, but to really like tap into that, that ability to really connect. And also just there's a desire, I think, when from anybody who's getting on the mic, not only are you kind of putting this out there for other people to connect with you, you're you're kind of offering up like, hey, I'm looking for connection in, in myself and, and kind of putting this out here. Um, so that's always something that I think that was a big driving factor for me getting in, into podcasting. Christine, how about you? How'd you get into it? My husband actually had a podcast or has a podcast called The Pat Flynn Show. And he started his when he was doing research for a book. He had done a few hundred episodes and he's like, you know, as I started all of this, uh, I, at first I thought the Catholic mama was just going to be a blog. It's like, I think you should do it. And I I laughed at him actually when he first said it. And I said, look, you just have to get to seven episodes and that sets you in a routine. It's, it's statistic, get to seven, you'll, you'll be fine. I, I kind of laughed again, but I, I started it. So, I mean, I, I just recorded the 200th episode, like the full length ones. And I, I have, I think a total of about 400 I don't know if I started it knowing why I was exactly, except I kind of liked the idea that um, I could hash out some of the research that I was doing on my own. Because again, I was a very, very new Catholic. I think I'd, I'd been baptized maybe two months before I started all of this. So the idea that I had to prepare and actually know the stuff I was going to be talking about was it, it put me on the line to actually know what I was going to talk about. And it made me a better Catholic. So I was actually learning a lot more. So it was catechesis by fire, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then over time I'm an introvert. So uh, the idea of having to talk to people like once a week was really scary, but it's been so wonderful. And that's, what's kept me going over time is I've that, that community, the connections I have gotten to talk to people all over the country and even outside of America. And it's been such an awesome experience. So how I started or why, I I, I really couldn't tell you. I just sat in front of a mic, but (laughs) it's the connections and learning the faith even more deeply has kept me going for sure. It has to be said, introverts make great podcasters because they they're not sharing any of their thoughts, and then they get alone and they can share it to thousands of people. It's, it's a <laughs> That's awesome, well, Christine. We started awesome. ours because we have a pastor who's eighty three. He'll be eighty four next month. He's like the new fifty four, I think, at eighty four because he is like all over everywhere. If you Google Monsignor John Barry, you will find him on YouTube. You will find him on Twitter. You will find him. He is just our energizer bunny. Got COVID. 190 families came together on a Zoom to pray for him and he survived. He is just a wonderful, wonderful pastor. And for me, because I do the social media for the parish, it was like, this is another piece of content that we can get from him that we will have when the Lord calls him home someday. So before COVID, he went to Guatemala to build a church. Our parish is is a very blessed parish. We're in Manhattan Beach, California. Google the median income. I'm not going to put it out there. We started it to share his journey in Guatemala. 
So we had a part one and we had a part two, and then we were coming into the Advent season and we have people who aren't even members of our church who come to take pictures inside of our church because we've got a life-size nativity scene. So we wanted to talk about how that came together and, and all that. So our impetus was really just to highlight our pastor. And now coming out of COVID, we're redirecting that to highlight our ministries. We've got 62 ministries. So we, we need to do a podcast so people know what they do and they can talk about their experiences. And hopefully that inspires them to want to be a part of ministry. But, you know, I say content because creating the content is what drives people's connection, like you said, relationships. For me, I've spoken at Congress and like 20 other uh, Catholic conferences on social media. And, you know, for me, COVID was like, yay, because (laughs) finally you have these parishes who have been gun shy about wanting to put things on social media and only the parishes that had that portal were the ones who survived. We have parishes closing all over the country because there was no connection to the parish during the pandemic, no offertory. Unfortunately, you know, they, they, they're closing and a lot of parishes now, you know, it's just another piece of content. And what's great about a podcast is I'm seeing the simplest thing and Bo might, you know, concur with me. The simplest thing is you're seeing people lift the audio from a homily or something and call it a podcast and then put it up um, as a piece of content on their social media pages. But um, it's it's just a, another piece of content to be a digital disciple with. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just a great new portal. Absolutely. Thanks, Sherry. Dan, how did you get started in podcasting? I'll include a little bit more than just the podcast. Just before COVID hit, a friend of mine approached me about writing a book. And uh, his idea was, look, the church is crystal clear about what we're supposed to be doing. And you go back to the Second Vatican Council, to Paul VI, to, to John Paul II, Benedict, Pope Francis. The church exists to evangelize. We're, we're meant to go out and make disciples. And it seemed like one of those great secrets that the church loved to sit on. And so, yeah, at the same time, we were, we were seeing disaffiliation numbers rising and all the reports about the number of people leaving the church. And even though there's signs of hope, there's a lot of things to be concerned about. So we said, okay, let's do our best to write a book that's going to help move the needle a little bit and help people think systematically. So my, Justin, my co-author, has an MBA. I've got a doctorate in, in education. And so we kind of put those two together, almost like a sociological research-based approach and then a, a real strategic leadership goal oriented type approach to uh, getting results in ministry and trying to bring more people into the church because that's what we exist to do. So as we wrote the book, we realized, well, there's way more content than we can fit in one book. And we also wanted an opportunity to share this with people for free. So they didn't have to buy the book. And there's plenty of people who just don't read. So we knew that our our ideas would have more legs if we could get it out there in audio format and in video Mm -hmm. format as well. So after we finished writing the book and editing, and shortly before we launched the book, we started the podcast so that we could kind of gain momentum for the book. Uh, by building up the podcast, and then uh, we could transfer people from the the book to the podcast as well. And Dan, just a follow up question: You're based in the Diocese of Orlando. Do you find that the majority of the listeners are in Orlando? I'm sure you have listeners all over the world, but do you have a sense of where your listener base is? Yeah, so the I would say 
about 60% is split between my diocese and the diocese of Justin, my co-host. He uh, works and lives in the, the diocese of Victoria, Texas. Uh, but we're also getting people just because friends share the podcast and the guests we've had on have been from all over the country. And so we're seeing uh, stable listeners from the Northwest and from South America and from Asia and Europe. And it's really interesting to see, uh, you know, who we connect with and who we develop those relationships with. Tim, how'd you get started in podcasting? It was about five years ago. I was listening to a lot of podcasts and I heard one of my former students, she started her own podcast and I was like, well, dang it, if she can do it, I can do it. And <laughs> my podcast is really simple. It's, it's the Mr. Rogers theory of come along with me as I learn. That's what I'm doing. I'm meeting people or I'm like right now I'm reading a book that uh, the authors agreed. I've, I've had a number of authors on and I just read their stuff and I'm like, Hey, this is really interesting. I want to have you on my podcast. And I don't want you to give me the spiel that you give at all your book tours like I'm going to ask you questions and we're going to see what kind of, where the conversation goes. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's Catholic schools and it's, it's, it's generally about learning and uh, leadership, but sometimes I go off on these tangents of crazy stuff, but, um, but people it's like, come along, like I'm learning and this is where my interests go. And so I think this is going to be your next question or one of your questions, like how do you come up with topics or whatever? I literally don't know. Like it just comes to me and, and then I go a couple months without doing one, and then I'll do like 10 in a couple of weeks because I get a flurry, a theme of activities. So it's really where the spirit leads me at, at this point. So, Tim, I, I have a follow-up question for you. It has been quite a journey for teachers in schools via COVID, during this COVID time. How controversial were you with your topics? How engaging were you with your topics because it was really hard for a lot of the teachers and a lot of the schools. Well, I'll talk about whatever I want to talk about. I mean, I'm doing a presentation on Monday. I'm leading off with the Biden and the community thing. So uh, I'm, I'm, I am I'm go there and I'm not afraid to, to ask the questions that need to be asked. But yeah, I mean, when it started, I, I think that, that I was very topical last spring as we were all figuring out what the heck was going on. And so we were going to school. I was like interviewing school leaders. What are you doing and how is that working? So giving really practical stuff, because that's really what people wanted. Like we were all fumbling in the dark and we just needed to know what was working. But as we moved into the year, we did get like last fall, I did some reports from people like, how is it going? And and then it just sort of became, you know, kind of part of that conversation. But um, yeah, I mean, now it's 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 like people are so exhausted. This is for summer for most of us. I think I have one more school that is out tomorrow, pretty much by the end of the week. Every, well, by the end of the week, everything's done. So, yeah, it's now it's like it really is time to unplug. And part of what I think for me, my message for people is you better be taking a break. Like, because people work all through last summer getting ready for all the different contingencies. And there just comes a point where people don't know how to turn it off. And you have to turn it off to do something different and let your brain go somewhere else. I have a sister who is with LA Unified and she is a educational counselor. And she was just saying so many teachers are like not wanting to even come back. They're so exhausted and don't like the direction, you know, public or Catholic schools are going. So I just wondered, you know, how, deep you got into it because it got well i mean i i think though the thing that that, that's on my mind is that 
we have a lot of displaced anxiety and anger that's that's popping up in other things. Like in some ways, it's not surprising to me that the bishops would have this big kerfuffle over communion and people would be confused and upset and angry and throwing all sorts of stuff at each other because that's kind of what's going on in all of our lives in all of our schools is things go from zero to 60 in no time. Like what was once a, a, a small little molehill becomes like it, this I'm going to the Vatican for this. And it's like, folks, like it's a peanut butter sandwich. Calm down. Okay? Yeah. Um, but I do think it's about the anxiety and the displacement and that, that has mm-hmm. happened. And we all need to just find a way to just take some deep breaths and let this, let this all go and restart. You know, if, if I can't share that, that's such a great question about uh, controversy too, because it's one of the things that I really try to uh, encourage people to, to think about controversy. I think when it comes to podcasting, controversy is good when it's stemming from honesty, not when it's stemming from controversy for the sake of controversy. Controversy for the sake of controversy is radio, right? Because what yeah. they're doing is they're fighting to keep you listening and not change the channel. So they got to keep you angry or fired up about whatever it may be. But podcasting, the listener is actually taking a choice to listen to the content. And so you have the ability to, to share openly. And podcasting is most powerful when it is very honest and real and kind of, you know, those closed door conversations, which can oftentimes be controversial, not in the closed door setting, but when you actually make it public. And, um, you know, the, the niche factor kind of se- steps into that as well. There's a, there's a great quote from Chadwick Boseman, he was on a radio program and he was talking about Black Panther and the uh, interviewer asked him, Hey, is Black Panther a black movie? And Chadwick gave this great answer, which is that the most, the more specific your art, the more universal it becomes. And I think that's very true of podcasting because when you get very focused and you can kind of be very honest about this very specific thing, even though you're talking to a very you know, select audience or kind of your primary audience, you have this massive secondary audience that learns things they would never learn otherwise because they're being exposed to that closed door conversation. So I, I always tell people never do controversy for the sake of controversy, but never like shut up because you're worried about controversy. Be, be honest and be real about what you're talking about. And that's what makes the content more powerful. Oh, you just articulated something that I don't think I, I, I would have been able to, but I understood kind of intuitively and that I'm drawn to podcasts or YouTube videos or, you know, anything because of, I mean, that Bozeman quote is perfect. The more like specific or, or personal an art, the more universal it becomes. I mean, think of like the Olympics, how interested we all become in a sport that we've never watched before just because we're seeing somebody perform it at the highest level. And like people have all these, these idiosyncratic interests and hobbies and passions. And when they dedicate years and years to those, they become like really, really proficient to the point that it's, it's fascinating just to learn or hear about what these people are doing. And, and the other thing you said that I really, really loved was the role of honesty. And um, the, the more honest we are, I guess the, the right word there would be integrity. The more we have integrity with how we're presenting ourselves. Uh, I think the, the greater opportunity we have to really make connections with somebody. And I'm not interested in propaganda. I'm not interested in listening to an, an ideology, but I, I really do love kind of humble, like transparent, uh, open-minded thinking of thinking through a problem. Um, so, for, I mean, just as you're saying this right now, like I would really love to hear somebody wrestle with uh, the Biden issue um, or any other public issue for that matter. Like, okay, here's what the bishops are saying. Here's what I think. How am I, how am I going to reconcile this? And how do I want to present my, my thinking to the world? 
I think you said the Olympic thing because you sound like Michael Phelps. Uh, I was thinking that before you said that. Um, I That's, I think, what shocks people is, and that's the kind of leadership that I want to provide to the schools and school leaders, is that I struggle with things, right? I struggle to make sense of them, and I struggle to find meaning in them, and I struggle with what is going on. And because people are shocked by that, because they think I'm a superintendent, I'm supposed to have all the answers, and I'm not supposed to be a person who's like, wow, that one knocked me to the ground and I had to figure out how to get up. And so that is, you're, you're right. And that's people, I've heard that from some of my listeners. who are like, I really appreciate the fact that you are honest about what you know, what you don't know, what you don't understand, and that you're, you're fumbling along to make sense of it. Because anyone who tells you that they don't struggle to make sense of things is selling you something. And you're not going to sell, you know, I'm not going to sell you anything on my podcast. There are plenty of podcasts that do. And I feel like I listen to them and it's polished and it's all together. And I'm like, yeah, that's not for me. That's, and that's not what I'm going to do. Yeah. We cover, or I cover a lot of uh, controversial topics. Actually, yeah, a, a lot of them. And, and the, way, the way that I get around, I mean, definitely I'm not doing it just as a hot take on any of the controversies usually have a guest on. It's not just me talking, especially for the controversial episodes and topics, so that it is more of a conversation. And also then the people that I'm interviewing for that, I just had somebody on to talk about medical sovereignty. Like I really, really was confident in what she had to say. And I knew that she would say it in a way that wouldn't totally turn people off. And in fact, I got messages after the fact saying, thank you, you changed my mind. Actually, it was difficult, but I did that. So, I mean, so for anything controversial, of course, I've had people say, you know, I don't think you handled that well, but but it, it's helpful to, I think, have a, a guest on to have actually a conversation rather than sounding soapboxy. Does anyone get feedback, or I'm sure from time to time we all do, get feedback from your audience that kind of drives you in a particular direction to say, hey, you know what, that sounds like a show I need to do, or that sounds like a topic that we need to address. Has anyone had that experience? All the time. All the time, Christine. Yeah, I, I get feedback a lot. I have a very engaged audience who contact me uh, either through Instagram or or the contact form on my site, and they have some really good questions. One in particular now that I'm about to do a podcast on because it's odd. I, I had so many comments over the past two weeks on this. Is what do you do when you become more Catholic than the people than your friends? Do you lose friends because of it? So it's just interesting. All of a sudden I've had about, I don't know, 10 or 12 people reach out just for that particular topic. Uh, some are ones that I don't really want to handle right away. Cause I'm, you know, I get exhausted by the controversial stuff. So I, I kind of put those in the back burner and do what I can, you know, my mother and a wife first. So I have to give my best effort to the, my family rather than uh, getting exhausted by the tough topics. So I do some softballs sometimes, but uh, yeah, people reach out a lot and give a lot of good ideas. How about you, Dan? Do you hear from your audience? Yeah, you and I haven't, at this point, they haven't said, oh, hey, talk more about this, but it has been very affirmative of, okay, mm-hmm. they appreciate what we're saying. And so it kind of says, all right, we should stick with this until people either stop listening or tell us they're bored with it. <laughs> That's great. If somebody's listening to this and they're kind of new to podcasting, they're thinking about growing their audience or, you know, we've talked a little bit about our audiences. How, how, how have you grown your audience or how do you grow your audience to stay in front of folks and let, let them know what you're doing? So, you know, it's interesting. I, I typically, when starting out with a new client, I try to talk people out of starting a podcast more than I try to talk them into it. 
is that kind of like, you know, anybody who's trying to you know, say this is just trying to sell you something. I think that's very true, especially in the podcast space when they're like, everybody should podcast. I'm going to like, well, actually, maybe they shouldn't. You know, like, we, let's, let's actually define what it is you're doing, why you're doing it. You know, Sherry mentioned earlier, like, you know, podcast really, if you look at the term and you look at the technology, it's really kind of a content distribution system. But within that content distribution system, there's a lot of different kinds of content. And so from that standpoint, there's also a lot of different kind of goals behind that content. So I always start off before, even, you know, you may have an idea for a show, whatever it may be, but really think about who is your audience, like who it is that you actually want to talk to. That group of people might be very small. It might be very large, but you have to kind of define what that size audience that you're wanting to go for. I will not work with anybody until they first tell me what their target audience size is. Like, what do they consider success at the end of the day? Because, you know, hey, if you just want to put content out there and you're cool with your mom listening to it and that's all you care about is your mom listening to it. Awesome. that's great. But if you want more than your mom listening to it, we need to know exactly who else is going to be listening to, to the show and how we can make sure that you actually have an avenue to speak to your target audience beyond just the podcast. The podcast is a great way to like build that pre-established relationship that you have with your customer base or with your church, with your parish, wherever, you know, whoever you're specifically speaking to, you can build on that relationship. And then once that's there, then you can kind of activate your audience to go out and build it, build more of an audience. But at this stage in the game, I almost never tell somebody to start in cold when you don't have any kind of early pre-established audience, especially if you have lofty goals of talking to literally anybody other than your mom. So I'm just going to put that out there to, to think about. Well, and that's what we did. We thought, you know, we've got 3,000 followers on our Facebook page alone. And we have Twitter and we have a website. So we kind of had a base there that we were looking at. I think the hardest part was trying to come up with a name because we're like, uh, when people are in the store, you know, they're going to be looking for, you know, I want to know about Catholicism and I'm a mom and I'm this and I'm that. So your title kind of has to encapsulate that so that people are, you know, interested in it. And so, you know, we came up with a couple of things already taken. Oh, that's a Protestant one. Oh, you know, and so we ended up doing digital disciples and it wasn't taken. And we thought, wow, this is it's not taken. Wow. I guess this is it. This is the Holy Spirit or whatever. Again, you know, we kind of put it on the shelf. I'm looking forward to restarting it, but it goes back to what Daniel says, and that is that we're supposed to be disciples of Christ, and this is just practicing discipleship in the digital space. I mean, I started teaching social media 10 years ago for a university, Graceland University, and they had a division called Skill Path. And I went out all across the country and Australia teaching people how to use social media to grow their business or to connect with their parishes or whatever. And wherever I went, there was always a parish or an order of clergy or something there wanting to know how to use it. You know, it's just continued to grow. And I think that for most of us, That is what our goal is with our podcasting as well, is discipleship. So we're sharing information with uh, a Catholic flavor or twist or some sort of connection. And when people are looking, when you just say digital discipleship, I would think, 
oh, they're just going to tell me in my everyday life how to practice my faith. So that's why we went with the title. So, and I think Bo would probably agree with us, with me. That's probably one of the biggest things when you're first starting a podcast, what the title is going to be. When I, uh, when I started the podcast, my, my hope was to get my mom to listen to it. In fact, that was a running joke at the end of my thing. My outro was, if anyone can go over to Sun City West and show my mom how to download a podcast, I would really appreciate it. Uh, it wasn't until Christmas that we got her iPad and we taught her like how to download. And then she walked around my sister's house while we were there. And she was listening to it on her iPad without like headphones. Like I'd be walking around hearing my voice. And I'm like, too much, mom, too much. And so we still have to do that. Uh, yeah, but that speaks to your mom's of a certain age and she wanted to hear you so much. It speaks to Bo and the connection with the relationship. She's your mom. She wants to hear what you're doing. And so right. she I never called. That's awesome. Why she does it. But I mean, I think for me, you know, really, you know, the root of all unhappiness is comparison. And just like anything else in podcasts, if you get caught up in your numbers, and your metrics and compare to other places and. I mean, there is nothing I hate more than when I meet someone who has a podcast and they ask me, how many listeners do you have? And I'm like, really? Like, because I know what you're going to do is you're going to tell me how many you have. And I don't really care. I usually make something up. I'm like, yeah, I'm like in 21 countries. Uh, the big joke for a while was I'm really big in Japan, which is a Tom Waits uh, meta reference. But um, I would say that, and I actually had people believing me that, that people in Japan were listening to my podcast, which I really enjoyed. So I think that I go through different phases and ultimately the phase that I'm in now is I really don't care. Like I really have to be authentic to where I am and what I'm interested in because that people will come along with me. So that's probably not, that's not good advice, right? Because Bo is over there saying you got to have a plan and you got to have a strategic. And so that don't, people shouldn't come to me to find out how to do a podcast because I'm going to give them like the opposite uh, advice. No, but I think Tim, part of your success has been you are, and everybody who's listening to you right now can can feel that you are your authentic self, right? You're not going to put on airs for that, and I think that's what people that's why people want to go with you on that journey. That's why people tune in to each of your episodes. I think that's the best advice for podcasting you can give somebody because when it sounds canned, none of us want to listen to that canned announcer. It just, you know, we, we hear that on the radio. We hear that on TV. We want to be that. We want to be that fly on the wall listening to those two people having that private dialogue that we don't think anybody's listening to except for us. It's like we're eavesdropping in on a conversation. I think that's the sign of a quality quality conversation, quality podcast. My uh, husband and I are online business owners, uh, have been working only for ourselves for a very long time. And so we are systems people. My husband is online marketing mainly. So we are like the opposite. <laughs> We've got like everything down. I, it really, for us, I mean, it starts off as Bo said, you know, knowing your audience, knowing what you're doing and who you are, and then also being as consistent as you can just so that listeners know what to expect. And then finally is making sure that the listeners aren't dependent on a platform, right? Especially as Catholics, you know, on YouTube or Instagram, we've been censored more and more over the past year or so. Mm -hmm. uh, so to make sure that the audience has grown, it's also making sure that they don't stay on one platform and they come along with me on an email list. And, and to get somebody on your email list, you got to give them something for free. So I have this little ebook, how to talk to your kids about God. 
people download that and then they hear from me more uh, via email and that develops a greater connection and then they can just hit reply and we have a conversation. So uh, they hear my voice and they also can read if you know people read any more uh, via email and just having the, the consistency, the knowledge of what we're doing and why we do it and then giving people another mode to contact you and, and create that relationship has been big on actually growing numbers we're still pretty small and uh, we're, we just got to be scrappy and I know it. And you know, it's like the, any, anytime you're starting something, that's the hardest point. So your first 50 listeners, your first hundred, 200, 500, a thousand, those are your hardest to get. You know, it's way easier to get your second thousand than it is to get your first thousand. And we're just trying not to, to lose any opportunity. And if that means that I have to be a little annoying on, on Facebook and a little annoying on LinkedIn, sharing my podcast and that I risk bothering my friends and that they block me or they ignore me or they snooze me for however long I'm okay with that. And I also, I know um, sometimes I think, well, this is People are going to see this way more often than, than I want them to. And I don't want them to get annoyed with me. Realistically, 95% of the people I'm connected with online aren't going to see it anyway because of whatever the algorithms are doing at that time. So, I mean, I could post, I could post a link to my podcast and nobody would have any clue unless they intentionally go to my page and start scrolling down. And so uh, we just, Justin and I really tried to bootstrap it and we chose our audience. Justin, thankfully, Justin really has good focus from, uh, from his work in, he was a consultant prior to, to coming to work for the church. So some of the stuff that Bo mentioned, Justin was really clear on, we need to have a, a clear audience in mind and we need to know what success looks like so that we can then plan backwards and say, okay, we want to hit this number by this point, this number by this point. And I am sympathetic to what Tim said of you can't make it about the numbers and the vanity metrics. Otherwise you're going to get obsessed with the wrong thing and you'll forget why you're doing it. Yeah. Uh, but we also wanted to be, we wanted to use our time well. And if nobody was listening to us, then we knew we were going to stop because that was not the best use of our time. We connected with people who were in our target audience, which was really people who were leaders in the church and people who uh, who could help uh, influence the mindset of the the average Catholic in the pew to help them embrace the mission that Jesus has set before us. Time cost, I think, is really important. Really, kind of a, like recognizing that there is a, a time sink that goes into creating a, a, a podcast of any caliber. And so, I always like to say, there's nothing necessarily wrong with having you know just whoever listens, listens. But the question is, if in, you know, a year from now, you've only got three listeners, are you okay with that? You are great. But if you're not, you know, you need to have kind of that concept in your head of, you know, when is that pass fail? When is it right to kind of put your, your time resources into a, a different basket, so to speak? Mm-hmm. What if somebody's thinking about starting a podcast based on this conversation, God help them, but what would you recommend? What do they need to think about before they start their podcast? I'll start. I would say, I think you need to map out, now this is going to fly in the face of what Tim said, but I think you got to map out the first few episodes. I found that that if you're going to, if you're going to put out content on a regular basis, you need to have some kind of a plan. I mean, I think that's just kind of basics 101, but is it going to be a weekly podcast? Is it going to be bi-weekly? And then try to, I, I, I try to work ahead. I'm, I'm oftentimes not successful with that, but I try to have a couple in the can so that I'm not worried about what the next couple of weeks are going to bring. And I try to work ahead, but that doesn't always happen, and as Bo knows, he gets these episodes a little bit late to edit, and <laughs> and we get it, we get it out, and we get it done. But what would you what would you recommend to folks who are thinking about starting a podcast? I'll jump in, Dan. I want to refute what Jim said. That I, I actually do have a sense of organization. I use uh, Evernote. <laughs> I have a queue. I have a dream list. I have what's coming. Uh, I move people up. I highlight. I have colors. 
I can tell you who my next four episodes are going to be. Sure. I'm not fly by the seat of the pants. Uh, I absolutely, you choose a day. You have to be consistent when you start. Of course, my advantage is I generally do it during the school year. I don't put episodes out in the summer. So now is kind of my hiatus always. And people have kind of grown to expect that. So, um, yeah, I think when I started it, I had a list of 30 potential guests. And I think I, I reached about 18 of those and realized, yeah, the 12 weren't going to be worthwhile. My other thing I would say is you have to be willing to throw an episode away. It's hard to do when you invest time, but some people are not very good guests. And it's not maybe them, it's maybe you, but you have it. And I have recorded probably 10 episodes that I never published because I'm like, that's not good. I wouldn't listen to that again. And I'm not going to put people through that. Only on a couple of occasions that people called and said, hey, I, I never got the link for why that was why that didn't publish. Uh, most of the time, you know, it surprises me. Sometimes I interview people and then I wonder, like, do they even remember that we had a podcast or are they expecting like me to like mail it to them in a gold envelope? But you just have to tell people, I'm sorry, it just didn't happen. We can redo it if you'd like, or we can just chalk it up as probably a mistake. And that's a weird, hard conversation to have. But you know what? It's my podcast. That's what we're going to do. To, to kind of tag onto that, um, it sounds like you were pretty organized and you did a lot of brainstorming early on. I got to give credit. When I got the interest in this, I started listening to Gary V. And if nothing else, Gary V is fun for motivation. I think he said something like, sit down and write down 50 topics. And if you can't come up with 50 topics that you want to podcast about, you're probably not interested enough in that area to to do a podcast on it. And so I've actually helped my wife start her podcast as well. And before she did that, we sat down and I said, okay, come up with 50 topics. And uh, she came up with 100. And it was easy for us. It was clear to, to, to her and clear to me she was passionate about that topic that she could talk about it for a long time. And Justin and I, of course, we had, we had written a book before we did the podcast. And so we had, you know, hundreds of pages of, of stuff that we could use. So we knew we were, we were comfortable doing that. So if it's not a topic that you're that interested in talking about and you can't, you can't come up with enough episodes to fill out a season or fill out, like say a year with the podcasting, my advice would be to choose another topic. That's a good piece of advice. I think to come up with a list of 50 topics you want to talk about. I think that's an exceptional, exceptional tip. Thanks, Gary. What resources would you recommend to somebody who's thinking about a, a podcast? They could be technical, they could be something else. What kind of resources do you, do you use in putting together your podcast? Well, I follow the Libsyn blog. I think they share really good information and tips and resources. And then of course, you know, I I check out other ones that I'm interested in to see what they're doing so that, you know, when I want to broach that subject or topic, I do it too. And I'm interested, Christine, I participate on a number of podcasts with the MomCast, which is like mom.com. So I'm wondering if you, when I saw that, I'm like, hmm, it's kind of like like mom.com. And I don't know if you... Um, we're aware how that started. Uh, Lisa Hendy was a Catholic mom, graduated from Notre Dame, I mean, real Catholic, who wanted to share with other moms the same struggle she was having and, you know, educating her, her kids in a community that wasn't so Catholic. And it, it grew into this website and this international organization, and it was just purchased and 
just so, I mean, there's, there's a lot ahead of you because there's just a lot of moms out there who need information and need community. So um, that's the other thing you just kind of, I'm not going to say copy, but kind of see, you know, what they're doing well, what resonates, what people uh, embrace, you know, they serve as a model, but you do your own thing. So that's, you know, something else that I would suggest. I would recommend talking to people who are doing podcasts, anybody on this panel, people who have been in it for a while, because Mm -hmm. uh, we've all seen and done things and uh, made some mistakes along the way that I think we've all we've learned from. So find a mentor, find a friend who's doing this, because I think that's how we all get better, just by kind of bouncing ideas off of each other and having friends Mm -hmm. in this. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Find a couple of quality folks and just kind of listen to them too. You know, sometimes you can, yeah, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. <laughs> As much as we've talked about, you know, planning and thinking ahead, also don't let um, that stop you from actually going out and doing it. I mean, you just need a mic and uh, you can get Audacity software for free, Libsyn for a couple bucks uh, to start off with every month. But, but um, the first couple episodes may be awkward and that's that's fine. We're actually teaching our, so this summer we're teaching our children how to start their own ch- like YouTube channels. Roan's World and Mirror explains things for both of my older kids who are only seven and five. And they are very interested because they see their parents doing all of this. So we are going through the process of starting from scratch for these two little ones. That's uh, just cool. like she did a, yeah, a couple of years That's ago. Awesome. We're yeah. entrepreneurs. So we don't want to, uh, you know, we have these skills we want to pass on to our kids. Uh, but yeah, so we're starting with, uh, with, you know, not elementary school kids in our house and it's been it's been very interesting to try to get them to do their you know what is what is what are you doing what's your identity you know uh, with this what uh, what's your shtick you know so it's been fun to just have them hone their little elevator pitches and all that stuff but um you know the first couple of episodes are probably going to be eh, you know but you'll grow and and if people like you then listen to you then well they're going to keep on listening to you so just don't let um you'll make progress don't let that but let the uh the hope of perfection get in the way mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say to people, there's a, you know, there's obviously many ways to go. If you're Jim Friend and you go big time and hire a bow to edit, <laughs> that's great. I'd love to have a bow, but you also need to know that, you know, I do it all myself. Like I do my own editing and own sure. uploading and own promotion because, but you know, I, I'm not monetizing the podcast. This is just for, for grins mm-hmm. and giggles. So, um, so you can do that. But if you want to have a professional product and you want to have, you know, bells and whistles, then you're going to want to hire somebody to, to show you or to carry out the editing. So there's different ways to go about it. And it all depends on, on who you are and what you want to accomplish. I agree with Tim. We actually reached out to a friend of mine. I used to be a television newscaster and I had a friend who was in radio and his name is uh, Jim Governale. And he used to have his own radio show back in the 70s. And so he works for the Archdiocese, excuse me, Diocese of Orange, which is in California. And he puts together the podcast for the bishop and whatnot. And because he was a personal friend, he came and helped me out. And I mean, he he just made it very polished. He put the music in the front. And it, it sounds like a very well done podcast. You know, we did two at a time. So it was like a uh, fee that was not super exorbitant, but it was so nice to let him do all the editing. And then he would share it with me and a link. And then I'd upload it to SoundCloud. And then I'd take that link and put it on our social media. 
So I, I think if you have it in the budget and you're just starting, that it really does behoove you to have a bow or a gym governor. So you can also go and hire um, online freelancers on Fiverr. I will spend yeah. maybe $20 an episode if yeah. the balancing, the sound balancing is off between me and my guest. But that, I mean, it could be as low as $10 for editing and, and getting a, um, uh, the intro and outro music set and everything. I, I outsource that to a freelancer for pretty yeah. inexpensively. Yep. I'll, I'll come in on the other side of that and actually say, I don't think that's necessary. Um, not, not that it, it doesn't help. I like doing that. And so I do that for, for my podcast and I do that for some other podcasts as well. Um, and I'm by no means a professional. I'm self-taught there. And so like, would somebody who's gone to school for that or who's done it, who gets paid to do it full time, do it better than me? Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, my host is Buzzsprout and Buzzsprout has a feature where I can upload my intro and my outro. And so if, if I do, let's say an initial investment, I go and I outsource that to Fiverr so that I get my intro set with music to the background. I can upload that and I don't have to, to do any additional editing with that intro outro mm-hmm. for the future. And so um, for anybody listening, thinking like, oh, well, I'm not going to have it professional quality. You can still get it really good just doing it on your own. Now, if, I mean, if you, have the, if you don't have the time and you have the funds, it probably makes more sense to work with a bow. Uh, oh, this is turning into a great commercial for you. Yeah, I was about to say, I feel like I need to like like hop in here and say I appreciate all the, all the shout outs there. Yeah. I will, yeah. I mean, I do, I do one of the things that I I'm, you know, I we try to be pretty clear with is we typically work with organizations or, or companies, people with establishing marketing budgets that have an intentional goal with the projects they're doing. It is very, very rare, almost never do I work with an individual who's doing kind of a passion project. Because it is, you know, you can you can kind of figure this out if you're if you want to be self-taught, if you don't have a budget, it is very easy to kind of, you know to learn the content is absolutely out there and the education is absolutely out there. But if you are, if you're, you got some marketing dollars and you're putting it in, in front of an initiative, uh, you don't want to just blast that out and not know what you're doing. If you're looking for kind of some expert advice, if you're looking for uh, some expert pr- uh, production on the back end, uh, yes, Pottery and many companies out there are, are great for that. But I think it really depends on who you are and what the goal of your podcast is as to whether or not you need that, that production company. Like I said, Nine times out of 10, I, I typically get on the phone with somebody and try to talk them out of hiring us more so than talking them into hiring us because I want to make sure that we're the right fit for where they are on the stage. I'm, I'm not interested in just taking somebody's money on a pipe dream. We want to help you get where you need to be, and we want to make sure you have a realistic vision of what that is. I was very blessed, and I started advancing our church a few years ago before I came to Changing Our World, and, and like Tim, I did the whole thing on my own, designed the website, did my editing, so... Yes, 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 everything you're saying. You can do this on your own. I found it was incredibly time-consuming. But then I I was very blessed when I came to Changing Our World that they said, hey, why don't you bring your podcast with us? And, oh, we can can hire a Bo and let him edit it. And I was like, yes, check that one off the list. So (laughs) it's been a real blessing because that's allowed me to focus more on on the show and and also I do the social media and maintain the website. So I'm not not completely out of the production end of it, but uh I like I like all aspects of it. You know, back uh, back in college I was in uh, I was a radio TV major and that never really went anywhere and then uh who would know that 25 years later I wound up being doing a, a podcast. So God has a sense of humor. But anyway, thank you so much all of you. I think we're coming up on the hour here, so we're going to go ahead and, and wind it down, but Bo, Tim, Christine, Dan, Sherry, just thank you so much for being on this uh, on this panel. I know that uh, anyone who's going to listen to it is going to get a great deal out of it. Uh, why don't we just real quick go around the horn, real quick? Any last, any final thoughts? 
And, and where can people find you? Why don't we start with Sherry? I am at American Martyrs Catholic Church in Manhattan Beach, like I said. So you can go to AmericanMartyrs.org. I also have my own website, ChurchSocialTips.com. Just got basic information on it. I'm across all the social media with uh, Church Social Tips. So that um, is how people can find me. And just quickly, I just pray for all of you who are trying to be digital disciples out there. There's a lot of pushback from administrators and and members in your parish. And I know you can just really lose heart, but just keep trying because God is calling you to use your gifts to glorify him in the digital space. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sherry. Dan, where can they find you? Final thoughts? So facebook.com slash being and making disciples, or uh, you can find me on Instagram, dboyd85. And of course, our podcast is available on all the major platforms and the book, Go Make Disciples, is available on Amazon. Thanks. Christine? I am blogging at thecatholicmama.com. I do most of my engagement online on Instagram at thecatholicmama, M-A-M-A. And then... I have a book coming out by Catholic Answers Press next year on religious, not just spiritual, about uh, the dangers of leading a life of uh, non-affiliation. Excellent. Thank you. Tim? First of all, I want to shout out one of my fans who, uh, Jamie in St. Louis, has uh, responded. She's watching this on Facebook. Nice. Uh, saying She apparently thinks I have a sense of humor, which is funny to me. You can find me on the internet, drtimyule.com, or the podcast is Catholic School Matters. If you use the Googles, uh, you can find me, and um, and I'll start podcasting again probably in September. Awesome. And Bo. Yeah, you can't find me anywhere personally on social media because I'm taking a social media sabbatical for a year. So, <laughs> But uh, you can definitely learn more about Potestery. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y, Potestery. Uh, and that's potestery.com. And so if you're interested in kind of learning more about some of the shows that we've worked on and then also kind of what we can do for you, we'd be more than happy to talk with you. And like I said, we, we specifically, our focus is for organizations, for businesses that are looking to get into podcasting, not as much for, for individuals, although we want to encourage individuals who are kind of exploring that space as well. Excellent. Well, once again, thanks to all of you. I will leave links in the show notes to everyone's website so that uh, our listeners can find you. Again, thank you for being on our podcast today. God bless. Thanks so much. It was great to God be with you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. I want to thank Dan, Sherry, Bo, Tim, and Christine for sharing their experiences with us. It was such an enlightening conversation. To view the full video presentation of our podcast, I encourage you to visit advancingourchurch.com. I'll make sure I leave a link in the show notes to each one of our guests if you'd like to get in touch with them. Thanks again, team. Well, that's our show this week. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and to Pottery Studios for another great show. And if you'd like more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for over 21 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, folks, this was episode 99, and that means that episode 100 is on its way. Over the next couple months, during July and August, you can count on getting an episode of Advancing Our Church every other week. So from all of us at Advancing Our Church, have a great week, everybody. Take care, and God bless. God bless.